Yeah, I, I, I think look throughout the course of the spring training camp, we've got pretty good grasp as to and the strengths, uh, the things that he does well. Um, part of part of it is, you know, each week tailoring the offense around the opponent we're playing, but also the strength of our own players. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty common uh, week to week with each opponent. That was Broncos head coach Sean Payton talking about what he has learned from Russell Wilson, the veteran quarterback, through OTAs, training camp, and now leading into the week one opener against the Las Vegas Raiders, what he's seen from the quarterback in preparation for that game. Welcome, everybody, to the Not Another Bucking Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Kosmider, Broncos reporter at The Athletic. And today we're going to tackle five burning questions ahead of Sunday's opener against the Raiders, the team that the Broncos have somehow lost to six times in a row. And if you want a stat, here's a crazy one. Since 2020, the Raiders are 24 and 26, hardly a picture of a dominant outfit in the AFC. However, they have won six of those 24 games against the Broncos. So a quarter of their wins over the last three seasons have come against Denver. Last season, the Raiders were 6-11. and 11. Two of those victories came against the Broncos. It's confounding. It's one thing to have lost 15 games in a row to the Chiefs, as the Broncos have, the longest interdivision losing streak in the NFL. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. So as, as bad as that is, his record against the entire division is dominant. He's the best quarterback in the NFL, um, and he always seems to have just enough magic to topple the Broncos. But the Raiders' streak, given what Las Vegas has been over the last three years, really, you know, dysfunctional. Right? They, they've they've changed head coaches. That you know, Josh McDaniels had a rocky first season. They, they've they've got some really great top end talent. Right? Josh Jacobs, Matt Cro- Max Crosby, who we'll talk about in a minute. And Devontae Adams are three of the best 30, 40, 50 players in the NFL. Um, but but they have serious roster holes everywhere else. They, they've dealt with their fair share of dysfunction. And yet here the Broncos are in their longest losing streak to the Raiders since 1994. And that just kind of epitomizes, I think, this stretch that the Broncos have been in. But it also crystallizes the opportunity ahead for Sean Payton in his very first game as the Broncos head coach coming off a forgettable five and 12 season. They have hired him at a reported $18 million a year as the guy who was going to help turn this around, finally get the Broncos back on a winning track. And there's no better opportunity to start that mission than to, to, to host a Raiders team that is not picked by a lot of people to do much in the AFC um, and have that game at home and have a chance to snap, like I said, that six-game losing streak that goes back to the start of the 2022 season. Um, so to get into that, let's let, again, five questions about the team, about the Broncos heading into this game. Number one for me, can the Broncos take Russell Wilson, to use Peyton's terms, off the high dive? Can we see that here in week one? And and what does that mean? That's one thing that I'm going to have a story on uh, Thursday in The Athletic that that you'll want to check out. But that has sort of been the mission that Sean Payton created from the very first time he stepped foot in Denver back in early February with his introductory press conference. Last year, Russell Wilson was sacked a career-high 55 times. He missed two full games and part of a third due to injuries. He did not have a lot of support from a play-calling perspective, 
his offensive line was porous. Um, injuries wrecked his personnel on offense. Um, you know, th- there were times where I, I think there were three different undrafted wide receivers playing for him during a game in Tennessee. Now, Russell Wilson is not absolved of all that went wrong in 2022. That that would be disingenuous to say he had his issues both, you know, on the field and sort of in the way that he um, went about kind of moving into Denver and, and, and kind of having some of the attention that he did with some of the things that he was doing. Um, but this whole idea that he's sort of unsalvageable doesn't square with what he has done in the past. And a lot of that, Sean Payton said even before he got this job with the, uh, with the Broncos, going back to an interview he was doing while working with Fox last year, where he said, if I was coaching Russell Wilson right now, what I would do is I would dig through and, and put together this compilation of his greatest hits, right? We look at all of his touchdowns. We look at the things that he has done um, in the red zone and, and, and find the things that he does well and, and really kind of create, take that album of greatest hits as he called it and, and spread that into our offense. And so for me, part of what, what that has to look like is again, a, a much more complimentary ground game than the Broncos had a year ago. I think they, they have the backfield pieces in place. Javante Williams, uh, by all accounts is healthy and ready for this season after last year's major knee injury. They brought in a guy in Samaj P. Ryan, who I think a lot more durable at this point in his career, a lot more trustworthy than was Melvin Gordon, who entered last year as sort of the 1B to, uh, to Javante Williams. And, and then with J- Jaleel McLaughlin, who we've talked about on the show, the undrafted rookie, you have a guy who they can use in a multitude of ways uh, to, put, to, to, put, so to pressure some of the pinch points for a defense. The, the other part of that is the offensive line, right? They invested a combined $82 million guaranteed dollars in Ben Powers, the left guard, and Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle. Garrett Bowles is back after missing most of last season with a broken leg. Quinn Miners is, is, is sort of a, a rising player there at, at right guard and, um, you know, reports about Lloyd Cushenberry's improvement heading into his fourth season have been a part of Denver's camp as well. So that is that is a part of it, right? The personnel that allows you to do this, this complimentary run piece of the offense that the Broncos didn't have. And because they didn't have that, put Russell Wilson in a lot of situations where defenses were just pinning their ears back, getting after him. And as Russell Wilson's footwork dissolved amid all that pressure, amid all those hits that he took, um, it, it just it, it just strayed further and further from what the Broncos wanted to do, you know, what, what constituted a competent offense. The other part of this is schematic. You know, what, what is Sean Payton going to do from a play calling perspective that will allow Russell Wilson um, more comfortable throwing opportunities, give him more layups? That was the thing with Denver's offense last year. There was just so few easy, easy plays. There, there were no layups in that offense. Everything was like you were having to, push through mud in order to get where you wanted to go. So that is going to be the big thing for me. Can they take him off the high dive? In other words, when we watch this game on Sunday, will Russell Wilson feel more just like a part of this offense as opposed to a player at 34 years old who is being asked to raise all ships? That brings us to question number two. What is this playbook going to look like under Sean Payton? You know, Seth Wickersham of ESPN had a great profile over the weekend of Sean Payton after having spent a lot of time with the head coach this summer, uh, both during his, both at his off season home in Idaho, uh, as well as time spent in the Broncos facility with Payton. And one of the takeaways from that piece, and there were many, um, was he, he's talking about his zest as, as a play caller. 
And there was an anecdote in there from Wickersham where Peyton has been told or asked or pleaded with by assistants uh, at various points during his career in New Orleans who said, hey, don't unwrap all the best plays on this play sheet within the first quarter of this game, right? He, he, he has this has had this like tendency, right, to want to just sort of go for the kill right away. And I'm, I'm really curious to see, given that he has sat out an entire season, um, you know, and, and he mentioned last week how, how, how eager he was to, you know, get into that late night mode, grinding over the film, finding these little things that he can, he can exploit in the opponent um, and, and build that into the game plan. So what is, what is it going to look like? What kind of shots are they going to take? What sort of gadgets do they have in store? Who is going to be, you know, a part of this offense? How much will, for example, Jaleel McLaughlin factor into things? Um, you know, is Marvin Mims, one of three active, healthy wide receivers on this team, the rookie playing in his first regular season game Sunday, what kind of impact is he going to have? What kind of package are they going to have for him? Um, a lot of really interesting questions, I think, that come from just what will this play, you know, that this playbook look like? What will the game plan look like? Um, and, um, and it was interesting to hear some of these players talk about their level of excitement for, for digging in uh, to this playbook for the first time. Here's wide receiver Cortland Sutton, the veteran uh, of this offensive group, talking about his eagerness to, to dive into Sean Payton's game plan for the Raiders. You know, this, this, uh, this extra data we got, you know, to be able to see, you know, the early, you know, bits of his, his, his game plan and, and what's, what his, you know, idea is, it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to go watch it, you know, come to um, fruition out there, you know, on uh, Sunday. Okay. Burning question number three ahead of Sunday's game against the Raiders. How much will Javante Williams figure into the plan? We mentioned him a moment ago. The third-year running back suffered a torn ACL and other ligament damage in a game against, yes, the Raiders, last October 2nd. So when he lines up against the Raiders on Sunday, it will have been about 49 weeks since that, that major knee injury, and here he is already back. He got to get in the game against the 49ers, Denver's second preseason game, was targeted earlier in that game. Um, I think it ended up with about seven or eight touches in a pretty brief, brief span. Uh, they wanted to see kind of right then and there what kind of load he could handle, um, how quickly he would be how, how quickly he would bounce back from that. And we, we've talked about it a little bit, right? Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, hinted that Javante Williams is not going to have his his full, you know, probably his full um, range of of um, you know his full capacity right away as, as an offensive player for for the Broncos. He is going to need to, I think, build into what they're doing a little bit. Um, but he's going to be a part of it. He he will probably start that first series for the Broncos. I would think, you know, certainly that they could go a different direction, but. How much does Javante Williams get involved? Uh, we, we know we've seen him develop more and more a, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, they will split him out wide at times in the slot. So he's going to be a guy that they're going to use in multiple ways. Um, but again, for him to, to be all the way back 49 weeks after suffering that injury against this Raiders team, albeit in Las Vegas, um, you know, he's, he's back and ready to take on the Raiders. So, you know, that that's a big question. And then what what does the running back share look like? I, I wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if you see Samaj P. Ryan get, you know, 18 carries in this game. I, I think they're gonna really ride him, you know, especially early in this season as they kind of see how well Javante Williams is progressing um, you know, through the through the contact of these games, through the, the workload of the regular season. 
Um, I think you're going to see a lot from P. Ryan in the first three, four weeks of the year to all you uh, fantasy owners out there. Um, and then again, like I mentioned a second ago, really curious to see what Jaleel McLaughlin, um, you know, what he gets out of this offense, how much they use him. Will he return kicks as he did with that 44 yard return against the 49ers? Those are, those are just some things with the running backs that I'm, that I'm really curious to see, because as we talked about it, that has to be such an important part of this offense is getting all of those guys in different ways, um, going from the very start. That brings us to question number four, and this is how the Broncos handle the dynamic duo offense defense of Max Crosby, the pass rusher, and Josh Jacobs, the NFL's reigning rushing champion. These guys are good every week, right? They're two of the best players in the NFL. They look like first ballot Hall of Famers when they play the Broncos. Max Crosby, this is another stat that kind of blew my mind, during this six-game winning streak, against the Broncos. He has 10 sacks. I'll say that again. In this six-game winning streak for the Raiders against the Broncos, he has 10 sacks. Here's some context. The Broncos have not had a player record 10 sacks in a season since Von Miller and Bradley Chubb both did it in 2018. Again, 10 games Max Crosby has done this. He has had a three-sack game. Last year, he took down Russell Wilson twice in each of the matchups against the Broncos. He has been an absolute force against Denver. They brought in Mike McGlinchey, right? A, a guy who who has some, you know, some experience in that NFC West facing some really talented pass rushers, um, going against Nick Bosa in his practices every week. Um, but but he's a guy when he faced his last, you know, just stud pass rusher, it was in the playoffs against Micah Parsons, and it was not a pretty picture for Mike McGlinchey. New year, new scheme, uh, and obviously Garrett Bowles, I'm sure, will get a shot at him. One of the things that Crosby does so well is he, he'll bend inside. So it is really a, a five-man effort, and even, even deeper than that, right? Like the running backs being a part of it. Uh, Russell Wilson having to be aware on every single play of where Crosby is. Um, again, four of the 55 sacks he took were from Max Crosby. So that is going to be a, a really interesting dynamic for the Broncos offense. Can they, can they figure out a way to, to really try to limit Crosby without giving other guys consistent free runs at the quarterback. That is going to be a, a big one. And then with Jacobs, here's another guy that during this, during this six-game winning streak for the Raiders against the Broncos, Josh Jacobs has 739 total yards in those six games. Um, he's averaged 109 yards on the ground in those games. He has scored seven touchdowns in those six games. He's a guy... Um, but that kind of salted both of those games away for the, for the, for the Raiders last year, particularly the week four matchup in Vegas when the Broncos had a chance to get the ball back and go down and, and take the lead. And instead Josh Jacobs just, you know, bit by bit worked his way down the field. The Broncos were unable to contain him. Now Jacobs did not participate in um, you know, the majority of training camp. He just came back to the team uh, last week after, after finally, uh, reach an agreement on a new one-year deal uh, with the Raiders worth up to $12 million. Um, so he has not had the full ramp up that other players have, but the Broncos in no way think this will limit what the Raiders do with him on Sunday. And in fact, Alex Singleton, the Broncos linebacker said, this just means he's going to be the freshest guy on the field, uh, but we're excited for that challenge. We're eager for it. So whether they can stop those two guys is going to go a long way toward um, whether the Broncos can end this streak. Obviously, the, the other star for the Raiders 
is Devontae Adams, who uh, even in a down year for the, the Raiders offense last year had, had a 1,500-yard phenomenal season. That that matchup that he will have with Pat Sertan, who was an all-pro cornerback last year, arguably the best in the league at his position, um, those that matchup was, was dynamite last year. Pat Sertan got the better of Devontae Adams in the first game, even though the Broncos lost. And, and it was pretty even in the second game um, until Devontae Adams worked Pat Sertan on a double move uh, to, to catch the game-winning touchdown pass in overtime, one of the few sort of letdowns we saw from Sertan last year. So that is going to be an, an awesome matchup to watch. Uh, but again, at least the Broncos have a neutralizer, so to speak, for, for Adams. Like Devontae Adams is going to get his yards, but um, you feel good about who you have over there covering him. With Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs, much more of a team effort. Can they get it done? Um, the last question for us here uh, going into week one, or last question for me is, what does this pass rush look like against Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, this is a this is an aspect of the defense that was a big question mark for us going into the offseason, going into training camp. Um, number of reasons for that, right? They traded Bradley Chubb last year for the first round pick that they eventually used to uh, acquire Sean Payton's rights from the Saints. Um, they did not replace Bradley Chubb, a former first round pick, um, in any real meaningful way this offseason, right? They, they did not draft a pass rusher. They did not sign one in free agency. They, they signed Frank Clark, I should say, but didn't sign a kind of a surefire starting edge rusher, um, you know, 45 play, 50 play guy in free agency. So you still sort of have that vacancy. The other question mark, of course, is Randy Gregory, the, the player to which the Broncos gave a five-year contract last offseason with $32 million in guaranteed money. Um, he's coming off a debut season in Denver in which he played only six games, um, you know, was, was beat down by injuries, um, was a tough transition year for him. Um, first four weeks of the season, he looked like an absolute disruptive force when he was in there, but he too got hurt against the Raiders, um, had a knee injury that required surgery, came back later in the season, but was never, never able to kind of fully regain where he was before that. And all that came on the heels of a training camp in which he did not participate. He was rehabbing from a, a shoulder surgery that he had uh, at, at the end of his last season in Dallas. And, and so I just think never truly found, you know, the, the rhythm that he needed to, to kind of be that dominant guy that the Broncos hoped he would be when they, when they signed him to that big deal. Randy Gregory has been healthy this training camp. He's been an active participant. Um, you know, he played in the preseason uh, and all indications are that he is in a, a much better headspace than he, than he was last year as he was kind of getting used to some new surroundings. He's talked about some of the mental health um, challenges that it presented and, and how he's just really tried to address those in the off season and, and really on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so I, I think, I, I think there should be some, some optimism for Randy Gregory. Now, again, it's a guy who um, has dealt with significant in injury issues early in his career. He dealt with suspensions um, and, and has never had more than six sacks in a season. He's not a guy that is solely judged by that, right? He, he his pressure rate when he's on the field tends to be among the best in the league. He has ways of just disrupting plays, um, you know, w without sacking the quarterback. But but they would like to see, I'm sure, some more raw production, but really just have him be on the field, have him be a guy that defenses, in a lot of the ways of Max Crosby, have to really account for um, with extra resources on a consistent basis. Um, the other part of this pass rushing question mark is, is who's next, right? We talked about Frank Clark, who the Broncos signed uh, to a one-year deal, the two-time Super Bowl champion with the Chiefs, two-time Pro Bowler. 
Um, you know, again, he's just 30 years old. He, 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 I think still has a lot left in the tank as he showed during the playoffs last year for the chiefs. I think the big question is, can he, can he conjure, you know, that level of play early in the season for the Broncos when they have such a pivotal part of their schedule, right? Like they've got the, the Raiders at home. They've got the commanders at home after a trip to Miami, they go to Chicago, a team that was worse than the NFC last year. They have a chance to make some hay early in the season before that really brutal part of their schedule starts to kick in with two games against the chiefs in 17 days sandwiched around a game with the Packers. So how much can Frank Clark provide early on? And then lastly, Jonathan Cooper and Nick Benito, two guys, uh, you know, uh, Cooper going into his third season um, and then uh, uh, Nick Benito going into his second, right? Guys still on their rookie deals. How much can they impact um, that pass rush as well? They both had really strong training camps. And I think Jonathan Cooper in particular um, showed a lot of growth. He, he was healthy for the first time during an off season, for, during a full off season program for the first time since he got drafted in, in the seventh round of the 2021 draft. Uh, and I think you see the benefits of that, right? Uh, Vance Joseph has said he's been their most consistent day in day out player on the edge. Um, I think he'll, he'll have a chance to start there next to Randy Gregory. Um, and, and so I, I predicted him in this, in the season preview column I did to lead the Broncos in sacks. Part of that is, is again, we talked about it, Randy Gregory. He's got to show that he can stay healthy. Frank Clark, you just, I, I think, is a little bit of a mystery right now. Um, but Jonathan Cooper, again, that consistency, he will have kind of the biggest opportunity that he's had in his career. Um, and, and I think it wouldn't be a shock to see him get eight and a half, nine sacks this year. So how much can they, you know, get get after a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who was, you know, healthy by all counts now, came off of a foot surgery during the off season. Um, he's been in Josh McDaniel's offense before, of course, but, uh, you know, adapting to new personnel, new team, um, can the Broncos sort of put some pressure on him early in this game to sort of change, you know, change some of the, the momentum early on, you know, we could go on longer. Like that. There's so many questions. That's the, that's the most awesome part about week one is we've been covering this team since Sean Payton came here in early February writing about the different things that we could potentially see when the season finally draws near, but it all goes out the window. They'll, they'll line up on, on Sunday afternoon at Empower Field at Mile High, and, um, and they'll get after it, and we'll learn so much about, you know, what this team is capable of, how they're going to operate, um, you know, off, offensively, and, and really just sort of, you know, how, how legitimate do they look in their pursuit for uh, their first playoff appearance since 2015. I can't wait. I hope you guys um, just you know excited. Uh, we will have a we will have another podcast after the game. You know, breaking it down, diving in. Um, so, so reach out on on Twitter, on social media. Um, you know, during the game after to with any questions that you you want to hear things that you want to hear in the in the post game show, and we'll make sure that we get to those. Um, really looking forward to that. Until then, thank you everybody for subscribing. Please, you know, share the podcast, tell your friends, subscribe. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you again soon.